You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode two of the Microsoft BuzzChat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Tom Riesing, who is a senior content publisher for the SharePoint and OneDrive team at Microsoft. Hey, this is Christian Buckley with a Microsoft Buzz Chat interview. I'm here with Tom. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Hey, Christian. Great to see you on a, uh, a nice summer day. Yeah, it's, uh, we're just past uh, the 4th of July holiday. And uh, so we were just kind of uh, talking about, uh, did you experience any rain? Was there any moisture there in the Seattle area that, that dampened literally the fireworks displays? Not at all. It was, it was a beautiful day here. Um, there were no um, teleprompter issues that I noticed. <laughs> oh, oh, are you talking about like the, the national show? I didn't watch any of that stuff. You know, I grew up in D.C., so I have been to the 4th of July fireworks at the mall many times. I, you know, I was, it's, it's funny. We were sitting um, on a giant there's new house construction everywhere and there was a giant mound of dirt and there's all these and we were kind of looking east across we're in lehigh utah looking east across the river at thanksgiving point and there's a huge fireworks show going off there and of course the skyline as you look up and down the valley there's just fireworks everywhere um but we're sitting on this giant mound all these other people that are down below and my son and my nephew watching this uh, it just, it just an incredible show. But I was playing on my phone all, all of the uh, uh, patriotic, you know, music, Star oh, yeah. Banner and stuff. Had that going, and uh, I was explaining to them. I said, I've never been there, but I've watched like the DC, DC show. But like, this is the the same the music that they're they're playing, and it almost kind of went synchronized with mm. the lights. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, yeah, there's a um, what is it the um, one of the military service bands, I think, plays at the Capitol, and uh, and you can see the fireworks, which are shot from the reflecting pool, uh, or maybe even from the Potomac River. I can't remember, but they generally the best viewing spots the uh, Washington Monument. That's where you're closest. But if you want to hear the music, you want to be at the Capitol, which is like you know a mile all the way away. down the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's that. Yeah, it'd be amazing to go there. I just. I, I, I'm just at that age where I think about that and I'm just like, oh, the traffic nightmare of getting in and out of there. I don't. I oh, it's horrible. In, in D.C.? <laughs> no, it's amazing. Yeah. Now, I grew up 30 blocks from the Capitol, so we could actually walk. Yeah. Well, that, that's what really, that's the, by far the fastest way. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I made the mistake of dropping the, the boys off. They were going to go down and, and do a parade to watch a parade. I'm not into the parade scene and uh, drove down south and, and realized that to drop them off at my son uh, in his wife's apartment down there, um, I would have to drive across where the parade was going. And I didn't do the math to realize that that's gonna be uh, an incredible uh, traffic you know, effort. So anyway, but uh, well, you know, Tom, so we, we, we've got this whole piece where we're talking about other stuff, which is, completely uh, irrelevant six months from now, someone watching the video. But what's, the, uh, what's your background? What's your role there at Microsoft? Why don't you tell us about yourself? 
Yeah, sure. So I'm a content developer in the uh, OneDrive and SharePoint team, and uh, I'm really focused on helping people uh, under have the best experience in the product, uh, especially anywhere there's words involved. Yeah, words. Uh, awesome. <laughs> well, you know, so I've often said this, that it is uh, uh, Microsoft has definitely stepped up, up over the last few years around the uh, documentation, the content that's provided around the, the platform, certainly true within the SharePoint space. And I think it was, you know, Joel Olson used to say, so, you know, fellow MVP and RD and uh, the original IT pro, the, the admin for SharePoint when it launched, it was there in Microsoft IT back at the beginning. But he said, you know, a lot of the SharePoint community, uh, there's the reason why it, it built up so quickly and, and has such a passionate following, but was the lack of documentation, the <laughs> lack of, you know, the technical help out of Microsoft. And so the community stepped up to fill that gap. And, and kind of, you know, you came from the community, you were an MVP and yeah. they sucked you in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, documentation is certainly part of it. Right. And um, especially when it comes to IT pros, uh, planning, deploying, setup, uh, often you need uh, you need something beyond the words in the product there to help uh, to get the most out of the product. So, yeah, that's definitely important. And, and yeah, I remember back when I was uh, deploying SharePoint 2007, Joel's um, writing was uh, very helpful and you know honestly i think as uh, at the time i think he was a pm uh or a product marketing manager um i mean they are that that part of the product team is is integral to communicating the value of the product and and how to use it and still to this day so i would say if anything uh the the efforts that joel was doing kind of i think probably um, a little less integrated at the time are, are better integrated today. Well, that, that's something that's an important role, a, a distinction. I think with a lot of companies that um, have you know, product marketing roles, so versus product management, you know, the product marketing folks, their primary, one of their primary roles should be to, uh, to identify the, the users, the, the key scenarios and, and tell the story, help people understand how within these roles, within these scenarios, how those products, how the features are used. Uh, uh, some, uh, you know, like any you know, organization, there'll be people that have that title that do something slightly different. Um, I mean, I spent years as a, a technology evangelist doing a lot of product marketing type things, but it, you know, I mean, I would look at a lot of what you do as kind of an extension of that product marketing do you see it differently? Is there more of a distinction between the roles of product marketer and what you do around content development? Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's really interesting and, and something a lot of people don't think about often, but Microsoft's such a big company and has so many customers that um, it's important uh, to focus on all the different aspects of the product. And so because of that, yeah, these types of distinctions uh, can be made, you know, who's, who's focused on product marketing, who's focused on product management. And really, I think the big, um, the big new distinction more recently at Microsoft is the focus on design. 
And uh, that didn't always, you know, so you started off a company, I think it was really founded by engineers, you could say Paul Allen and, uh, and Bill Gates would describe it that way. And then, um, so a lot of it was engineering driven. Then you kind of added this product uh, management layer la later and product marketing, and you're able to specialize on these different things. And now uh, with the focus on a great user experience, um, design is really uh, one of the uh, leading ways the, the product is is um, modified. And so that's, I think, really interesting and, and something I learned joining here. I, I did not know there was such a focus on um, product design now these days, uh, as opposed to the people that we'd met in the community in the past had mostly been product managers and product marketing managers. Well, it's interesting, you know, if you, uh, you know, certainly if you design a product well, um, and, and, and this is, and I actually, I, I talk about this a lot, but when Satya became uh, CEO of Microsoft and his first keynote speech was at the partner conference and he talked uh, a bit around um, the need to look at the end-to-end -end user experience, yeah. and where traditionally, I mean, certainly it's true within Microsoft, where you had um, product-focused uh, and even you know, and, and as you know, program managers and development teams, engineering teams, focus on specific features within that product, and you had very few people um, looking at the end-to-end -end even of a product. But now he was talking about looking. Here's the customer experience. This is what they're trying to accomplish. We may own pieces of that, but not the, the entire story, but we need to design, we need to build our products, recognizing what customers are trying to do end to end. That, that would, you know, could potentially reprioritize how you, what you develop, how you develop that, how you market that, how you position it, the storytelling that you tell around, you know, the, use cases and scenarios. I mean, is that something that you, in, in your role, do you talk about that end-to-end -end customer? Absolutely. Which, okay. Yeah, and I think that the, uh, yeah, I mentioned Bill Gates. And so it's, it's, inter it's interesting to compare, I think the evolution of Microsoft over time, you know, from the founding to, to now. And I certainly, Satya represents a big step in, in that change in the evolution that's just really responding, I think, to the market and, um, you know, where Microsoft needs to go in the future. But if you just look at the mission statements, right, we, everybody's, a lot of people are familiar with that, the, the original mission statement to get a PC on every desk, right? And that, you're right, that's about products, right? And then you look at Satya's mission statement, it's about people. And uh, that plays really well into what you're saying about, you know, considering the, um, considering who's using your product as you're designing it and developing it and uh, and talking about it, uh, it's it certainly. I know that you have a strong interest in marketing. It certainly affects the marketing. Um, you you know you hear people uh, talking about the products and the value of the products to them in a lot of Microsoft's marketing these days, as opposed to the older method, which was showing off the product, right? And so it's a much different focus. You want to focus on. What is, the, what is the effect the things we're doing have on people in the world uh, as opposed to what is the coolest new thing that we've developed? <laughs> yeah, another, I think, a distinction there that I think that ties perfectly into that of, of demonstrating the product versus talking about 
the people and their usage of those those products, those software products. Um, but is the um, you know the the, the to, to go out and market based on features versus market on the uh, on you know, what the the users are actually doing and trying to accomplish again where the technology that Microsoft provides may just be a piece of that story um, you know that is I, I, I there's been an evolution in I know the the events that you've been to you've seen the same thing but there's been an evolution in in the way that that you know conferences are even put together free or paid um, there's still the very much like hey this is a new release here's what the technology goes and does but where the the sessions the number of sessions were very small that were focused on here is a role as a as a you know a business user or if you're a, an analyst a business analyst and what you're trying to accomplish over the day there were community speakers that would go in and take that perspective talk about the the person that role that the experience um and, and you see now going to conferences you know so much more around um roles uh and the the scenarios than it was over the features of technology i mean again is that i mean in your role i mean what do you how do you approach you know new new features new capabilities how do you look at that and decide hey this is what we need to go and write about and create yeah well i mean i think there are two interesting things you talked about there one was uh the evolution of the community and i you know you and i've been um part of the sharepoint community for a while and i think and we talked about what drew us to it. And I think part of it is, you know, partners have always been um, enabled to fill the gaps uh, for Microsoft, right? I think that has always been a key to Microsoft's success is, is enabling partners and allowing them to step in and provide value. Um, so I know that's one thing that got us in, but what drew us into SharePoint, I think prob probably was this focus more on the business aspects. I think anyway, from my perspective, uh, when I moved from, you know, SQL Server and .NET user groups to SharePoint user groups, this, the difference was striking, right? The, the people in the uh, SQL Server and .NET and Java user groups were very technology focused right very it, just thinking mainly about the product and how they what the changes were and how they could use it better uh, or program it better um, but when you go to a SharePoint user group immediately you've got a totally different mix of people it's not just developers and IT pros you've got business analysts and designers and internal communicators um, and consultants and um, and a lot of the people in the audience they don't really care so much about the latest feature unless it unlocks new business value for them. And um, so I think from the community perspective, I think SharePoint was already kind of made that evolution a long time ago from my perspective in terms of involving a new different type of audience. And then when you talk about the work that I do at Microsoft, uh, absolutely. Uh, considering the people is is a huge part of it right so before we make major changes in the product we're basing that on discussions that we're having with customers and um, and potential customers too right uh, because it's one thing to to make the product better for uh, current customers you see that and uh, places like user voice right you 
you've probably made suggestions there and voted up suggestions there. I, I was just going to ask you about like, you know, what are your methods, your tools for capturing that voice of the customer? And so you start, you went right into user voice. Yeah. So, I mean, user voice is great because it's like crowdsourcing, right? It, it's, it scales very well. Again, you know, you got a billion people using office. Uh, how do you listen to a billion people effectively? Uh, it's not, one-to-one -one interaction, right? There's not a billion people over here in Redmond able to listen. <laughs> so you can't really have a, a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with every single customer. Um, uh, so, so user voice is great because they've done a great job at, at uh, scaling feedback and allowing uh, a, a huge community to contribute um, at scale. Uh, but again, that's only, uh, I think for, for one thing, that's capturing a specific audience, right? That's people who are engaged with the product, they care enough to go and uh, either make a new uh, request or vote up a request and actually really think deeply about the product. So that's a, I think it's a small fraction of the, of the people using the products. Uh, and they're people using the products, right? And a lot of times, you know, Satya's mission is to help, you know, the whole planet achieve more. And really the growth for Microsoft is um, outside of that segment, right? Of people that are using the product and heavily right. engaged in it. So you have to go beyond that. You can't just consider uh, what people currently using the product wanted to do. Uh, you have to go out and talk to, to people that maybe are slightly less engaged. So um, we have a whole user research group inside design uh, and the product team here and uh, the, do, they do focus groups. You might've seen some of those at like even at SharePoint conference. I'm not sure if you were involved with, with any, but there was a call that went out and basically anybody could, uh, could join a focus group at SharePoint conference. And we were, we were proposing new uh, product areas we were going into. We were talking about how to refine existing product areas and we try to get a, uh, a wide uh, cross uh, uh, of of people, uh, ad admins, IT pros, end users, and make sure that we're taking into consideration the views of uh, lots of different people. Well, I, I wasn't involved this year, but I, I've done many of those you know, types of events um, where it's uh, you know so so well focus groups where it's a a group of you know you know four to to twelve that are sitting in a room and and going through and have, discussing that, or I've done events where there's various tables around table topics and and doing kind of a dive into those but it's a uh i'm actually a big fan of the whole unconference model and almost that like kind of follows that where let the crowd kind of decide hey these are the things that we want to talk about and break off into those groups and, and discuss and get a lot of great ideas uh, you know I, I even think of my monthly tweet jams as exactly that it's a you know where it's uh, I'm seeding the discussion with seven questions, uh, you know, but I, I'm really looking for people to go in and add, you know, to that. It's their, the questions are purposefully uh, left as being broad and open so that it encourages people then to go in and it, take off in different directions based off of that. But it's, uh, I think that there needs to be, it was great to see. I think the, the only thing, and I provided feedback for this last SharePoint conference, was uh, why don't we bring it back to the hands-on labs and doing some of that mm -hmm. other stuff on site. Uh -huh. I think yeah. it would be good for that event. They do it at the European SharePoint conference. Uh -huh. And uh, oh. it would be great to see it back over there. That's the first two SharePoint conferences I did as an employee 
I was in the hands-on lab the entire time. So helping yeah. do that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've been a proctor in hands-on labs too. I've never made it to the European SharePoint conference. I didn't realize they were uh, doing that. That's great. Yeah, I think and uh, there definitely is an aspect of that at Ignite, right? And I think might maybe partly because it's a little more focused on um, like the IT pros admins, right? Uh, where I think in the past, a lot of the hands-on labs have been focused on, and in past year conferences, right. when yeah. I was proctoring, it was it was a lot of setup, configuration, right, type, uh, work that we were doing in the hands-on lab. And um, but uh, yeah, well, that's good feedback. No, I I'm, I hope uh, somebody heard that. I think that you know when you get people. Uh, hands-on with some of this stuff, right? It's one thing to hear people talk about, you know, new innovations in the product or share how they're using the product. But I feel like for me personally learning, if I don't um, go and try that out, right? If there's not some right. visible aspect of me practicing uh, what I've heard, uh, it doesn't it doesn't stick, right? Well, I need it to I need something. Well, that's why I think this is powerful about that model is that is that they they generally they give you these these worksheets or you walk through different scenarios so you're able to see you know it's it's kind of like you know the early days of SharePoint. I mean, everybody knew how to you know log in and uh, you know find the location and upload a document or download something and get back out. And people were just not aware of some of the other extensive features capabilities that were, were within that. And that's actually part of the reasoning behind Tom Duff and I doing our uh, productivity webinars. So we have uh, like 140, 150 productivity tips and it's broader across Office and Office 365. We touch on all the different products and things across those. Um, but the, the idea was not that, hey, I'm gonna go in in a webinar and get 10 tips for things that I've never heard of before. You've probably heard of and maybe actively used half of them. Um, but the idea is that we're gonna show people different ways of doing the different things and things that they probably never experienced to go then try them. We're encouraging people to go and, uh, you know, tap into kind of the, the you know, the, the untapped features and capabilities of the various products. Um, and, and so having, and that's part of what I look at product marketing's role to do. If you are, um, it, it's just as much about listening as it is pushing messaging out there of how to use that. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, so I, I, I watched one of your recent, uh, your productivity tips and, uh, and I learned something. I can't remember. I tweeted it out, whatever it was I learned. I, that's another thing I like to do, right? Now I have to look. Hey, I'm gonna, while you're talking, I'm going to go look. And see what I tweeted. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. Right. That's what I, but that's a general pattern of me anyway. Uh, that's kind of how, um, I got started in some of the more public writing is just uh, when I helped, when I solved a tough problem that involved a lot of research, generally, I would always write it up. And then yep. when I, um, with that was blogging, right? With Twitter, what I try to do is if I'm ever sharing something, I try to share an, uh, some insight, right? Something personal about it. Otherwise, it's just another retweet, right? It's like, right. Uh, it's just another uh, small signal. Um, but if you, if you share your insight, for one thing, I capture it, right? Then I can later I can go back and say, what was that one thing <laughs> I got, you know, when I watched Christian and Tom talking? Um, because otherwise I'll forget, right? And right. That, that makes it more tangible for me as well. And then the, uh, the other thing you said about listening, I think, um, right. And that goes beyond, you know, formal um, uh, capturing of information from customers with the 
uh, user voice and focus groups, right? That's, those are very formal processes and there's only so much of that um, you can do. You have to be listening actively. I think you see the huge amount of engagement from the product team at, at places like SharePoint Conference and uh, other community events as well. I know there was um, SharePoint Saturday, uh, what is it, Pune? Have you? I, I, yeah, I right. Yeah, that, that yeah. one just happened. Netherlands yeah. just happened. Which one? Netherlands. Netherlands. Yeah, well, I thought uh, Pune was very interesting because I've been doing a lot of design work with um, a group in Hyderabad, and uh, a, a few of those uh, product team members uh, were, at, were out there at, at Pune. And uh, I thought it was great that they're getting a huge, uh, a huge increase in community events in India right now and that the product teams there and involved in listening to the community at those events too. Yeah, and it's, it's always great to see when, like I did um, the, I was the keynote for the SharePoint Saturday Ahmedabad and I've been out, I've actually been to Ahmedabad, India and, um, and that's, that was a major location for, for, uh, for Gandhi, there's an area called Gandhi Nagat that, that's there. And, oh. and uh, anyway, just a fantastic uh, region out there and that was very happy to uh, provide the keynote. And then to see uh, faces that I recognize, you have like, uh, like Mark Anderson out was, was there yeah. on site. And right. uh, Tom Daly was there as well. Yeah. You're like, I didn't realize that either of them were gonna be there physically. And it was, it was great to see that. But, um, you know, then to hear them talk about, you know, their takeaways from being there and, and some of the unique stories that come out of some of those regions. And you think we're all, you know, uh, and SharePoint Saturday, of course, not just SharePoint, it's, you know, multiple platforms and tools that are across the, the Microsoft 365 spectrum. But it was still, uh, you know, to, to hear, you know, unique, you know, regional differences between you know, questions that are being asked. And you're not gonna get that if you're just looking at listening to one one tool, one method. So like user voice, I mean, that 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 can't be the only place for feedback from Microsoft. And it isn't, yeah. you know? Right. But that, it's not just that, because there's also the Microsoft tech community, which is another place to go and have discussion. There are Yammer communities, there are, um, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn groups. There's, there's a huge, uh, a community around uh, uh, private uh, Facebook groups as well. In fact, I'm seeing the most activity on those, uh, like the uh, Collab 365 uh, team out of the UK. They run a number of Office 365 communities that are, I mean, daily the conversations that go on. I probably, uh, you know, interact with those groups more than any other medium, you know, right now because that's just where the activity is. Um, so you you can't. Yeah. You can't look at one one way, one method of uh, you know, one tool, and expect to get you know to really understand what the community is saying about their their needs or what's shifting around the business climate. And of course, nothing beats face-to-face uh, -face communication. This is kind of a form of it, right? We see each other sometimes in person, but mentioning you know Mark Anderson out at Ahmedabad, um, I, I that's you know people like you and Mark. Uh, are out talking to customers and you know involved in the forums and 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 you talk to us too right and that's a that's a form of feedback too and and even more than that um, you know you and and Mark and other uh, MVPs are really good examples of uh, listening at scale too right like you're talking about your tweet jams right I mean that's a really 
uh, you see uh, product marketing from SharePoint involved in those quite often, and, the, yeah. and one of the reasons is because they're able to listen and scale, and you're uh, you're facilitating that, and uh, and you can provide insights directly to us one on one. Mark has um, uh, participated in um, some more direct feedback. You know the SharePoint P and P program, mm -hmm. uh, which is directly involving the community with uh, SharePoint engineering and uh, in a number of different ways. Maybe you should uh, explain for those that aren't familiar with, with PNP. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's SharePoint patterns and practices. And um, you, there's, a, uh, there's a whole set of docs.microsoft.com that is um, dedicated to, to that community. A lot of the contributions from that part of the website are directly from community members and um, the engineering team participates uh, in a number of different ways. You know, one it's listening, uh, another is uh, providing support in terms of how these patterns and practices, uh, how the product team sees, uh, envisions the product being used in, in these different patterns and practices. And, and so there's that back and forth, right? Where you've got community members out there implementing, you've got the product team, uh, uh, so, you know, adding new functionality and hopefully those those play together very well, right? What, the types of challenges that people run into that they need to even develop these patterns and practices for might be something that ends up uh, being solved better in, in the product as well later. Well, I mean, that, I guess that's that ultimately the, the hope. There is a uh, selfish reason for Microsoft to want to participate in these community efforts is uh, you know, is getting that feedback, staying uh, ahead of where things are today and saying, where can we improve? What do we need to add to? Where do we see the, the market, the needs shifting? Maybe there's, there's a reason why um, if you see, suddenly see a rush of partners and providing solutions in an area, it may identify that there's a gap in the product or the platform. And so now naturally, Microsoft needs to be, you know, watching those things and responding yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, saying um, selfish reasons, I think that uh, hopefully there's a lot of, um, you know, win-win, right, is what we're always looking for. Right. And uh, if uh, you've seen this, right, if there's going to be something that's sustainable, a program that's sustainable from Microsoft, right, there's uh, the company is self-sustaining, right? And in order to sustain a program, it's got to be providing back to the uh, to the company in some way or another, and so you know the patterns and practices program has been able to prove the value, and that's you know that's absolutely what you need to do in order to have a sustaining program like that, and that's uh, it's providing value to the community, and the community is providing value to the product, and uh, and everybody, the customer in the in the end wins because of that uh, that tight involvement there. Right. It's uh yeah. It, it, Look, there's a we're 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 uh, getting into a kind of a larger soapbox statement around the value of community. That's oh, kind of it. I, but I, you know, I'm, but I know that you understand this too. Is that there's a you know, it, it, community is not a a marketing stunt for companies to participate in, and there are some organizations that do really well within the community, and that it's authentic involvement versus that they are just trying to piggyback on. It's I I always. Here's a great example. Um, there are user groups uh, all over the place. I think here in the Salt Lake, Greater Salt Lake City area, there's 11 or 12 
Microsoft centric user groups. There might be more that are, are hidden. These are the ones I'm aware of that we've had contact with or attended. Um, there are some user groups. I'm not saying any that are here in this, this area, but I have run into this over the last decade where a user group is started by or managed or just hosted by a location by a company who then believes and treats it as their user group. And what happens is it then kills things off. It's like only their employees or their partners are the only ones speaking at it. It's not really a community play. It's, it's somebody, it's a company doing marketing, uh, you know, in sales and marketing under the banner of community. And that is thrown some of these community events. SharePoint Saturdays have had some that have had problems because of that, where they're not truly looking at it as a community play. And, uh, and, and, and so that you've got to be careful about that. Microsoft has to be careful that yeah. we could go in more into depth. I could tell you some stories you probably haven't even heard about some community efforts where Microsoft then goes in and tries to strong arm like, and this is our model and this is how we do. And it's like, okay, well, it, it stopped being a community effort and it just being an extension of Microsoft marketing. And then you see the, the end users just kind of dissipate, you know, yeah, uh, leave that. You know, I think what, I, what I'm hearing is really a, a message about uh, being authentic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people, uh, it's, it's really hard to fake authenticity. If, uh, if I'm not being real, like, you know it, right? Especially, you know, in the value of face-to-face -face, uh, interaction, you can see it. You can see it in my face and the way I'm acting, right? And um, we, we talk about that in product design as well, just to bring it back to that. Um, when you know, we are uh, introducing a new feature in the first run experience or uh, the empty state or describing, um, you know, like the new site um, template, the page templates, right? All of that has to be part of an authentic uh, Microsoft voice, a very consistent voice. And if it's off, even in the, the slightest bit, that uh, throws off uh, your experience with the product and your connection with it. If it's not an authentic connection that we were actually, as opposed to like pushing uh, somebody in a, in a per particular direction, because we believe it's the right thing, uh, you know, for the product, we, we need to believe it's the right thing for the person. And that has to be authentic. Right. Well, and, and that, and again, going back to there, there, there's been a change in, how Microsoft approaches the community. In the 10 years that I've been outside of Microsoft, uh, that was not true about most of the community involvement and marketing messages um, coming out of Microsoft. It very much was like, here's how you go and do that. It's, it, it, here's how you go and use the product. Here's how you go and do something. Where, where now Microsoft, there seems to be a recognition. Maybe this is my perception on, on all this, but that it's much more about here's what it's capable of doing. Um, and, you know, and there are oftentimes multiple ways of getting to that end result that you as a client are looking for. Um, and here's how you can do it. Here's how you can use it within, within the supported framework of the, of the workloads of the systems. It's like SharePoint, you know, can I go make, build a, a CRM platform out of SharePoint? Yes, you can. Should you? We don't recommend like go get a CRM product for that, you know. But it's like, you can you go and do certain things with it? Yeah. So Microsoft is not going to 
tell you how to do something specifically or you know, how not to do something. You know, well, I guess they will tell you a lot of things that how you know, what not to use the technology for. But you get the broader meaning of it. Where they're they're not dictating how to go and do certain things. It's it's more of a um, here's what's possible. Here's what's capable. Let's give you and make it more open so that you can go and tailor the fit of the technology to meet the needs, the culture, the you know the the specific requirements of your business. Yeah, and I, I'll tie that back to the discussion about you know the shift in the culture and the mindset at, at Microsoft that a lot of people associate with the change in leadership with uh, with Satya as, as CEO. This has been a big driver of that and a big um, voice for that change in the culture and, and talking um, to people. But I mean, really, you think about one of the um, things that stood out right after the change of leadership to Satya, which was the release of office products for um, iOS and Android, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to what, what you're saying about like Microsoft telling people what they needed to do. Like before the mindset was you must use Windows Phone because it's our product or, or whatever, you know? And, right. and uh, even more so was Microsoft had the Macintosh business unit uh, in fact, I had a buddy that worked there. It was, uh, I was in the same building when I started there in 2006, they were two floors down. And so the MacBoo, they were, they were like a second class citizen and, and you would see new features in Word and PowerPoint and it could be months or years before the same features were then adapted into, you know, that, that, uh, that, that tool. And, but now it's, it's much more of a Microsoft uh, and part of it. I'm going to paraphrase here. What Satya said is like, you know, our, our, this is at that first Microsoft partner conference, like what, three, four years ago. And he said, you know, our goal is to build the best software and services, you know, in the world where we don't have the best solution or we don't have any solution we want to integrate with, we want to partner with to provide the best experiences um, for, you know, for the part that we own. Anyway, that's a very, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it, it is t totally a change. Uh, Mac, Mac OS, I think, has always been an important part of Microsoft's business. I think Bill Gates said something like, you know, every Mac sold is a license of office almost, right? Pretty right. It's the, it's the number one software uh, tool that is on Macintosh is the Office Suite. Yeah. But, but one of the other, I think, more obvious changes is uh, somebody was, I think, at, at Build, they said something like there are more probably it was, you know, uh, in virtual machine instances running Linux in Azure than there are uh, instances running Windows right now. And, and I mean, again, it's symbiotic, right? I mean, Azure consumption is, is huge. The revenue coming in and the growth from, from Azure is one of the most important things right now. And, and so the focus on, you know, kind of telling people you got, you have to use windows, right? It doesn't make as much sense when you're, when you're uh, focused on growing uh, cloud usage. And I think the technology is also another thing that's enabled um, that product, that, that mission of, of Satya, right? So when you talk about bringing features to uh, Mac first or at the same time, um, one of the examples we point to a lot is the sharing uh, dialogue, right? You've seen those demos at SharePoint Conference and other places where um, when you hit that share button, whether it's in Finder or File Explorer or 
uh, on the uh, mobile app, right? The service behind that for, that provides that that sharing experience, it's the same service. That's a you know that's a part of the power of the cloud is by enabling these uh, these services that provide the same experience uh, no matter where you are, and that helps uh, Microsoft achieve that that mission too of of basically letting you use it wherever you are, right? Providing that flexibility. And, and it's, it's more about the person and less about the technology there. Yep, and that is a, you know, I, I, one of the, uh, the biggest uh, uh, points of applause out of the, um, was uh, last year when it was announced like the, uh, you know, that the SharePoint, um, uh, the UI, for uh, libraries was basically going to be the exact same experience as in OneDrive. Yeah. And that they would, you know, just to your point, that they would function the same way. And because that was a big uh, uh, you know, complaint was not only was the interface different, where you'd click, what you'd click, but the options you were provided in various workloads were different and making those things consistent. But also uh, other things, uh, deeper integration to know that, well, when you are uploading content into SharePoint or into Teams or creating a new Yammer group or wherever those things are, that it's the same interfaces, that it's a unified, you know, backend, that it's, you know, it's it's SharePoint under the covers, you know, back behind all of that and and SQL and Azure and kind of all those other pieces. So it's it's becoming a more unified story. It makes sense. It makes the uh, you know the the user experience uh, more fluid across yes. those things and easier, um, but it also the administration and development activities across those. You don't have to go learn to develop for three, four different platforms. You're doing it, you know, the, the same way across those things. And now, when you're talking about the files experience, you're getting you're hitting right at my day to day uh, uh, focus and uh, and concerns right now. One of the things I'm really thinking about a lot lately is the uh, you I've, you've seen it at SharePoint conference um, this year, talking about how that same experience that's uh, across OneDrive and SharePoint right now is also coming to Teams, right? So that yeah. files tab when you click in Teams, and again, it's that consistency. And I'll tell you, it makes my job easier too because before we had that same, that shared control across all of those, when we're developing new experiences, we got to think about how does it represent it in OneDrive? How is it represented in Teams? How is it represented in SharePoint? And uh, and then those are three different experiences, and we have to, you know, double check. You know, did we say the same thing here that we said here? And uh, and now. We've got a lot, it's just uh, consistency by design, right? Uh, whenever we design it, uh, we, we need to still take in, into consideration all of those different experiences. So in a little way, that makes it uh, harder at the design uh, point. You know, you have to say, are we designing this in a way that works across, that provides great experience across all these? Um, but really in the execution part of it and, and just trying to keep track of all those different experiences, it, it makes it a lot easier uh, for us to provide a better, more consistent experience across all those. So it, it, in that vein, is it appropriate for me to uh, tell you my biggest complaint that is in your uh, world that uh, to see if- we, we just talked about how I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to you one-on-one -on -one and you're providing feedback and it's- Well, there you go. That's all, all you need to do, people, is create a podcast, invite Tom along and then- <laughs> hit them with all of your specific uh, requirements. But uh, 
No, it's, uh, you know, here's something, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a solution in the works or something you could tell me, but, or maybe you just hear this, this feedback. When I go in and, uh, and open up File Explorer, I mean, I, I expect when I open that up, it goes into the shows, everything I'm connected to, my, my server, my desktop, it's got my, I can see my, uh, uh, my three different uh, OneDrive accounts that are mapped to that. I can see my Dropbox folder that I use with my design company. And uh, I, like, so I've got all those assets. That's all fine. Love the favorites, being able to pin things to it. That was a great uh, feature ad last couple of years. I, that's the File Explorer experience. Now, I work within Teams. I have SharePoint and Teams. I'm in and out of all day long through these things. If I'm working then in an office applications, I'm in Teams, I open something, I go to save it, or I'm looking for files within something, I have to navigate to that place, that folder, and save something. Um, I can close it, have another document, go to save it. I have to do that same navigation all over again. You know, there needs to be a way that it recognizes that I'm working in a space, I'm working place, and put me right into the play, the location where I was working and saving and pulling things out of having to constantly go and dig for the same thing over and over and over again, because when I open up that, that window, I can't save to, I can't open to that same from that same location. I've got to go dig into that subfolder of a subfolder. And, yeah. and the answer is not stop using folders. Um, it, no, it, no, not at all. No, environments. This is absolutely uh, something that's heard here. I don't think this is something, you know, like. I, I New, don't that's different, right. I just have been around for a while, based yeah. Based on, on you telling me this uh, today, right? I think there's a lot of stuff that's already in motion to address this because, um, you know, the reality is um, where the product growth is for SharePoint and OneDrive and Office and Windows is really, uh, you know, SharePoint's about collaboration. Office is about collaboration. Uh, and um, you want to be able to pick up where you left off, no matter what product you're in. We want to provide a consistent experience across all of them. Um, so they, I think there's a lot of things in place to make that happen. Um, we work across Windows and Office and SharePoint um, better today, I think, than, uh, than we did when I, when I first started here three and a half years ago. Uh, I think there were efforts in place, but the, there's really been a lot more integration, reorganization, um, and, and um, focus effort on making sure the experience is consistent across all the products. But one thing I think that is very visible to you, and you'll see more of it over time right now, is the uh, search experience, right? Yep. And this is something I know there's been a lot of frustration in the community. I've heard it, right? I've been standing at the search booth at Ignite when people came up and said, yep. when is this going to happen? And yep. when is that going to happen, right? And I mean, I've been on the other side of it too before I, I joined because I think that um, search is important and there's been a lot of investment over time and we always want to see it get better. But here's one thing I thought was really cool recently that, that goes towards the vision that you're painting. And that is when... Um, Actually, another friend of ours, Jeremy Fake, pointed uh -huh. out at a, a local meetup that I help organize here in, in, uh, in Redmond that I, hope, I think you may have been to before. But um, yep. one time. Yeah, since it's been rebranded. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think you made it one time to my uh, San Antonio meetup as well. I did as well. Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Um, but uh, so Jeremy said 
in his talk after build, he said, did you know that when you search from um, the Windows, uh, I don't know, what is the name of that bar? The search bar at the bottom of Windows yep. 10 right now, uh, if you're using the latest build, which, you know, all, you know, I am because I'm in that group and uh, we don't really have a choice, actually, honestly, we're dog fooding it, right? We're, right. we're testing out the latest things. Uh, you search for a file and it comes up if it's in OneDrive or SharePoint in Windows right now, right? And that's part of what Windows, uh, what Microsoft Search is enabling. And so some of the things that we've been asking for for years are start, finally starting to, to come in. And uh, you'll see that affect all the products uh, across all of Microsoft 365, the improvements in, in Microsoft Search. Yeah, I think there's a, uh, yeah, I mean, again, from a, like a team's perspective, having the, the uh, what do they call it, They're like the search box up in the top of you know, the window and having it, that similar experience to train people now um, to use the, and it says right in the box in Windows at the bottom, it says type here to search. Type here to search, yeah, I know. It's so, and having that, and then there's been a lot of discussion around uh, you know, pulling up the results, which will be across all of the systems that you're plugged into, pulling from your LinkedIn, your the Bing search results, your desktop, you know, from SharePoint, from Teams, from really having that truly federated view of of the search results. Everything should come back to that that experience, and we're rapidly moving that direction. And the the, the only complaint there is uh, when when having search conversations with people is, and as you know, it's just again ensuring that all of the workloads are. Uh, are integrated with and pushing data to the uh, Microsoft Graph so the API can leverage those and access those. So it's making sure that uh, the data sources that you're trying to make as part of that federated search experience are correctly publishing to the right location. And, and it should be by default. I don't need to go set up permissions. Or this is me, my system. The system should also should instantly recognize that I have permissions to these SharePoint environments, to these Teams workspaces, these Yammer groups, these OneDrive folders, these things out in LinkedIn, you know, kind of all of those places. I shouldn't have to go and take any additional steps if I'm logged in and I'm authorized to see content across those, those places. Yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the integration with Teams and SharePoint and OneDrive is certainly helping from a file experience and, and with Office products, you know, when you're syncing uh, to the cloud, when you're saving by default to the cloud from Office, uh, when they're saved, when you just create a conversation, you know, that, that creates a data point, right, that's already available in search right now. I think it, another thing that's really interesting to me about what you just said is the um, Bing um uh, company search right yeah. so i've um you know i think you and i both have over the years tried out all the microsoft we like to look at the new things we like to see if we can incorporate them if they make sense we will right so bing i've been back and forth on lots of times i don't know how many failed attempts i've made to switch my browser to bing browser search to Bing in the years. Uh, it, it used to be that way with the OneDrive sync client uh, until right. the recent improvements in the last few years. I kept trying OneDrive and it, the sync client. It kept failing on me, right? And you hit that failure and you, it's, a hard, it's hard to go back, right? And I've now changed my default search engine everywhere to Bing. On my, on my phone, 
uh, on, you know, on an edge, it, which by the way, I'm using edge dev, which I don't know if you've used it yet, the new uh, Mozilla based, based browser, but um, they asked us to switch, I don't know, uh, five months ago here in the internal builds of edge dev. And um, again, that was one of those things. I tried it, I changed my default uh, browser everywhere as soon as I could. At first it was only an internal testing, so I couldn't change my home computers. As soon as they <laughs> said that it was no longer uh, internal testing only, <laughs> I changed all my home computers over to Edge Dev too, because uh, it's that same consistent experience you're expecting uh, if you've been using Chrome a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it's got that, that tie into the Microsoft ecosystem that uh, is very valuable if you're using uh, you know Microsoft 365 every day like we are. Um, but they are changing to Bing uh, because um, when I'm logged in to my work account, when I type in uh, a search term, I can show results across Teams and Yammer and OneDrive and SharePoint. And um, it's super valuable, really, right? Like now my go-to method, if I need to look up somebody like uh, Sahil Malik, just uh, joined Microsoft earlier this year. I don't know if you know him, but he's an MVP from the DC area. And I, I grew up in DC, so I go back all the time. And uh, another great community hire. I just heard he's gonna join my hackathon team uh, coming up for one week hackathon. So I'm excited to have his uh, expertise there. Um, but if I need to look him up, right? Like, uh, uh, who does he report to? I can just type his name in, in, uh, in Bing. I could type in Sahil Malik manager and I can see it's Rich who uh, Desarega who's a great uh, community member in Texas who I've been connected to for a long time uh, and anyway so that, that's one of those uh, I, I think it's not quite all the way there I'm using you know internal builds um, but this is in the next few years I think you'll see uh, this integration across the products make the search even more valuable and make that experience of getting to back to where you started from or what you were working on uh, even easier. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, and I, and I do recognize the, uh, the improvements there. Like I said, it, it, for, for what I, for the, my specific scenarios, you know, the, probably the, the biggest help, the greatest help has been just being able to pin documents within specific applications, workloads, so that I'm not having to go and dig again and again, they're just right there. And so I'm, I mean, I, again, on a daily basis, the stuff that I'm actively working on, I make sure that I pin them right there so I'm not having to go and search for which version was I working on where, um, you know, and have that latest version right there. But it's, uh, yeah, they're like, like always, there's, there's always room for an improvement for feedback. I think part yeah. of what we have to train ourselves um, on doing is, is ensuring if we see that there's a gap there somewhere to go and, this is the hardest part, uh, time-wise, uh, time-consuming, to go and search to see if it's being addressed, if it's already mm -hmm. been outlined, articulated within right. user voice and that people are voting on that and to go lend your voice to that. Um, always start with that search, be aware of what's already in, in progress there. Uh, there's nothing more frustrating than going to try and you know, solve a problem that's out there and you find dozens of entries that are you know, higher up in your search results that have no conclusive answer to, to dig a bit deeper and find, oh, actually, it's being addressed here. It's in the roadmap. It's, you know, Microsoft has responded to something. 
And, uh, and I've actually found myself going back, providing a link to user voice in some of these other, you know, public locations where it was being discussed, where nobody seemed to find an answer to it and say, Hey, it's actually being discussed over here. So, yeah, you know, and, and I think you're right. There's always room to improve. I think Microsoft's always done a great job of engaging the community and educating the community. I don't know if you've used, you know, other products. Like I, I've used a lot of other uh, products in the past, you know, from other technology companies. And I really have found the resources available to learn about the products much more challenging. I think Microsoft does a great job, always has, and, and continues to improve. Um, I think on the, um, I'll call it change management, right? Obviously, this, this has always been a struggle. It's something that I think as community members, we've always uh, felt as a strong point of ours, right? Is helping our customers understand where the product's going and how to make the best use of it. And that involves understanding, you know, a lot of research into the product. One of the things I think as a community member, and Microsoft's been hiring a lot of great community members in, like I mentioned, Sahil, um, that I that I like to uh, provide value back to the product team while I'm here and just in daily interactions is uh, is connections you know the, to the community members like yourself and um, I I don't know if you've watched the um, regarding 65 message center podcast I have yeah so that's one of my favorite things is to tell people about a regarding 365 message center podcast about a message center post maybe that we had written yep. <laughs> Or maybe one I hadn't written, but I knew they were involved with. Um, and just to show, you know, how they're like, wow, you mean these two guys um, read every single message post, message center post and comment on it. And that's a podcast and people watch it. Right. And yeah. um, I think sometimes it's, hard, it's easy to forget uh, how involved, you know, the community is, how invested in understanding things. Um, and how important it is from a product team perspective to make sure that we're communicating clearly when the product's changing and how it's changing. And so I think, again, that's an area of continual improvement, but I think that there's a lot of steps in, in the right direction there uh, in terms of communicating out the change well. Uh, but we certainly wanna hear more from you about, you know, how we can do that better. You know, the number one question that I hear when I go to events, uh, and I, I get, you know, people will, you know, IM me or e email me after uh, a webcast is, you know, how do you keep up with everything? And my first yeah. answer is always, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, then two, I try to keep up with I, everything. Yeah. Right. And I, but, you know, and two is I tap into certain community voices. And so I, I mean, I, I, I always point people over to the uh, regarding 365, uh, you know, the, the podcast, the video, the vlog, the, uh, you know, the, the, the blog that's out on Medium. It's just a fantastic resource for that. But I made a comment about how, um, you know, the, the, the guys, uh, Daniel and, and uh, uh, Daryl, uh, yeah, Daryl, um, yeah. uh, the uh, were, uh, you know, the Daryl actually responded. Uh, I said, well, how much time did they invest in keeping up with all that? And Daryl responded and said, it's actually, it's not as much work as you'd think because they read the emails that come out, which are summarize they dig into some of them they're aware of others that they have to dig in a little bit more around that and they go look at it he's like he says and then talk about that yeah and they kind of talk through it and are playing with the features and showing this is what it is um but it, it is already summarized a lot of that they're just being consistent about reading up following up with you know each of those 
and asking questions. And then they divide and conquer just with the topics that are covered and occasionally have other experts from the community that will come in and speak on certain aspects that they're novices around. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, one of my favorite guests on that show actually was um, the, um, I think it was, uh, his name's Dan Fernandez. I, I always forget, but um, he was driving the shift from TechNet to Docs, and there was a message center post about it, right? And um, so it had communicated, uh, circulated, made the rounds of, amongst the, uh, the writers. Um, my manager, Pam Green's a big podcast listener as well. And uh, I think she might have noticed it um, that they'd called out like they were a lot of concerns as they were reading through this message center post that, hey, TechNet is going away and, and Docs is coming. And this was years ago, right? I think by now, obviously, Daryl and Dan are big fans. Daniel are big fans of uh, Docs at Microsoft.com. But at the time, it was a little concerning, right? Uh, it's big change. And um, so anyway, we were able to make the connection and, uh, and get, you know, one of the PMs directly behind that change, uh, he, he, he connected with them and Daryl did a, a follow-up episode directly with him, just kind of like this uh, over Teams one-on-one uh, -on -one, and they posted that as a new update. And I thought that was a great um, connection and a great result of their awesome community effort uh, to, uh, to keep us honest and, and, and help keep uh, customers aware of what's changing. I wish more of the, the folks from the product and product marketing teams would get on there, do communities. I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, just because I've had uh, uh, with our Loop 365 series, uh, Noah Sparks and I have had a difficult time getting product people to uh, show up for meetings and they'll come back and be like, well, yo, and we're, we're not sure if we're ready to have a conversation. We'll wait until we're at version two. We're like, what, what are you talking about? It's out there. It's live. We're we, we just want to talk to you to better understand and your the, that perspective, ask some questions about generally available features and products. You know, that why is there fear about talking that we're not trying to gotcha on anything. We just want to have a conversation and better understand. And I think that there's, that's another cultural change inside Microsoft. Look, when I was, I, I got chastised as an employee for having a blog. Yeah. Right. That's and, a big, big change, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge change. So I was very much of the Robert Scoble vein of the, right. like, like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to ignore you, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when, you know, the former, the formal, uh, I know it's changed its name, but, you know, LCA, so the legal team then sends you kind of a, a, a formal cease and desist, your, your blog, you know, uh, you do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, well, listen, Tom, I know we, we've gone uh, way over on our, on our time. Really appreciate your time today. Um, you're probably in a ghost town in this uh, four-day weekend there, but uh, I'll let you get back into it. But for people that want to find out more about you, get in touch with you, what are the best ways to reach you? What social tools, platforms, where, where can you be found? Sure. So, I mean, for people who are uh, involved with, uh, with social media, I'm on Twitter, at Reesing, R-E-S-I-N-G. I, I blog a lot less these days at TomReasing.com. Now that I'm like writing. Writing for a living, I know, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, and then I'm also on LinkedIn and I've been uh, posting a lot more on LinkedIn. Uh, I've been trying to share like, uh, you know, like one technology or Microsoft related um, insight a day about on, uh, on LinkedIn lately. But, uh, you know, to tie it back to the writing, I think, where we really want people to, to engage with us um, 
more and more every day is right there uh, in our product in our in our where we're communicating to customers so you know that feedback button whenever you see that feedback button in the product a lot of times that comes right back to us um, sometimes it might be triaged right but uh, you know people are listening on the other end of that and a lot of times what happens if you hit the feedback button it um, if you allow the product to it'll send some diagnostic information a lot of times it's really very helpful for context setting you know in terms of uh, responding to uh, to issues and then you'll see that on our writing platforms as well. So docs.microsoft.com on every article now, there is a feed, there are two feedback buttons on the bottom, right? And so one is for feedback about that article that you just read, right? If you see a content issue, some a gap, something that's not been addressed, uh, that is actually becomes a tracked issue. And this is something that I'm sure you, uh, felt as a Microsoft employee, you probably do it these days today as well. Um, if you don't have a, you know, feedback tracked in a system somewhere, it's really hard to um, make sure that you're addressing all the things that come in. So every content feedback item that comes in on docs.microsoft.com is, is an issue that's created in GitHub, uh, attached to that repo, and there is a writer assigned to each of those issues. And then that can, that's something I can go through and I can look, what are all the issues you know, that have been submitted on documents where I'm the, uh, the writer of record? Uh, and and what, what have we done? Have we closed this out? Have we addressed the issue? Uh, is there more feedback? And uh, so that's actually a way you can directly talk to um, the writers and a lot of times product uh, team members that are writing those articles and sometimes it's even community members writing those articles yeah. and you can res and they'll respond right there in the issues and everybody can see it and then the second button the second feedback is for the, about the content of what's being discussed so if it's an article about you know a a feature or something a capability within the product so it goes back to the product team yeah, yeah, so there's two two buttons, sorry. Yeah, uh, the one is about the content, and that's what I was talking, that's an issue tracked in, in GitHub. Um, and, uh, and the other one is about the product, right? So um, if you're reading the article and you say, um, you know, there's something like, uh, there's something I'd like the product to do, but it doesn't do, right? Like the article's correct. It correctly describes the situation I'm in, I agree. I don't need to change the article. It, it's it's, like it's change the functioning product. as designed. However, yeah. that's when you hit the other button. Right. And uh, and each of the product teams is is responsible for where that goes. For a lot of them, it's user voice, right? For OneDrive and SharePoint, we know it's, right. it's user voice where that. Yeah, goes. I had an experience with that exact thing was when uh, finding uh, in again around Teams and from a compliance standpoint, specifically where there's. Uh, hybrid connector via with exchange so on-prem exchange with an organization using uh, team so part of their organization was on-prem exchange exchange through acquisition and they were maintaining that they had the hybrid connector and uh, and some compliance features that were missing and uh, and the the documentation was lacking um, it was it was almost like they were talking around the that hole that was there yeah, and we were able to point that out both in the documentation and as well as to the product team. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. You know, and honestly, uh, you know, for a, a broad audience, I think the issues are great. For um, 
people like yourself that are very familiar with the issues, um, there's a step further you can take. I don't know if you've done this yet, but um, you can submit a pull request. And it it sounds a little intimidating. And I think no, the first I, I've, you, I've done that. Yep. You've done it. So, okay, that's yep. great. So, so you can actually, up, so. Yep. You can actually write the, the content you think is missing and yep. submit it. And a lot of times, more often than not, you might be surprised to find it'll just be published just as you wrote it. <laughs> and then the fourth option that you have, if you know the person, the product is I call the main Microsoft number <laughs> and ask to be transferred to Tom. <laughs> is that right? I don't know. Yeah, that that's what you want to do. Get a bunch of phone calls. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that, you're, you, you, that the people always answer the, the, the calls, but I just say that. <laughs> There's a, I always joke that, uh, you know, in the early days, I'm, I don't do it much anymore, but I used to frequently give out um, Bill Bear's email and, uh, and his desk number to, to people. And Bill would be like, no, please, I, I enjoy like that kind of thing. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've experimented with that in the past. I think uh, my main concern is actually all those automated uh, skimmers that come through, right? Because right. most of the phone calls I'm getting are from, you know, unfortunately the ai is getting too good right um but well, it's actually, not it's not good it, yes, it, but yes right it, yes it's not right. but i actually i had a friend uh, in at rackspace when i was there who on his twitter account and he may still do it today um posts his phone number his cell phone number and he says you know you'd be surprised he always tells everybody they could call him i, I haven't gone quite that far uh, myself but um, I do publish my email address on my website. But um, he said, you'd be surprised. The number of people that call me that I don't, that you, know, you would think wouldn't be a positive interaction is very, very small. Like it's almost always a very good interaction when somebody, because people use discretion, right? They right. say, when do I want to actually talk to this guy? Do I have something interesting to say to him, right? And, and they think about that interpersonal yeah. relationship. No, I, I, um, I subscribe to that, uh, you know, that same thing. So it's, uh, you know, at the, at the end of every one of my videos and that there's, uh, has my uh, direct number on there, but the same thing, right? like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't, I mean, look, I get, I get the spam phone call, same as, as others, but, uh, yeah. you know, I, it's, it's generally people that have, uh, you know, genuine interest in, Hey, here's what I'm you know looking to, to do. Are you the right person or do you know somebody or, Hey, can you help me with this? And, yeah, you know, so it's uh, you know it's but it's been minimal impact. So I you know I think it's a it's a great tool. But cool. Well, anyway, well, Tom, I really appreciate your time for the extended discussion here. A yeah. um, lot of great information. Always enjoy our discussions, and I'll uh, just thinking when I'm going to see you next. But I'll I'll see you in uh, in a few weeks when I'm out for uh, SharePoint Fest Seattle. Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, that's always a great event, and uh, we're doing a. Um, a local community a tie-in there too i would like to mention um on thursday night of sharepoint fest we will be hosting a, a local office 365 meetup at the event venue uh so art kane reached out to us or yeah. david wilhelm both of them and um and offered us to have that so our community members can attend the last two sessions of the day on thursday uh uh, just by registering uh, through a link and uh, and then we'll have a, a meetup and I believe we may be having a SharePoint afterwards as well that uh, that will be sponsored uh, by the community as well. So uh, well, excellent. Really looking forward to all of that. Well, I'll see you there. I'll be there for sure. Excellent.
All right, well, thanks a lot, Tom.